Yeah. You know, their meatball sub was very good, Django. I bet it is. I would recommend I it. If you, it but is. also it'd be hard to go there and not get the Quattro. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think I've had one of their uh, their meat things, too. And that was their good. Their Philly cheesesteaks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their meat things. Yeah. Dude, I have, I'm pretty sure I'm within like one ramen of having tried every single ramen out at Hokai. Oh. Um, and I've like got my modifications dialed. Like forever, I was just getting the same one because it's like my favorite. But then I was like, you know what? This is like my favorite restaurant in town. I just got to familiarize myself with this whole goddamn menu. And I got to go with you once. Dude, have you you've been, right? Yeah, I've been with Erica. I think I went with somebody else too. It might have, you know, I some have like gone with you. I don't know. Yeah, I might have some obvious bias towards it, but for whatever reason, it's like my like I love the ambiance. It's like dark. The mm-hmm. people like know me and like get my drink started as soon as I go in and are super friendly and like yeah, it's <clears throat> Yeah, it's I liked awesome. it. I think it's just exactly far enough away that I don't want to it fuck is. with it. Yeah. <laughs> Says the guy who goes to Popeyes. Well listen. Popeyes is a special thing. Yeah. It's a chicken sandwich, Jeff. It's my hope guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast, a comics book podcast, multiple comics book podcast hosted by Hawks the people books. who Hawks Pox, uh, who run the comic shop in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, it's Django and I. Actually, this time it's just the two owners. We're just you and I talking shop, Django. We're owning this podcast. We're we owning are. a shop. We we're, are. We're poning each other. Oh, Django, who is older than 36 because he doesn't have that Roman status, um, is really stretching to figure out youth terms like poning nice hair poned boned he keeps calling me a noob today but i i guarantee he doesn't know what it means i don't uh, okay i I think i understand it from my context clues but i don't know how to pronounce it because it's like n zero zero b and i don't know how the how do you pronounce the zeros is it see i'm a noob stan noob I'm a noob stan. I've been noobing for a long time. Um, noob stan. I think I I think I think stan what you're saying. Yeah, you do. It's a comic podcast. That's right. We're going to read a bunch of the books that came out this week that we're going to talk about them on this podcast. In fact, we're going to get... Really strange. It all started slipping when you said... When you said podcast. That was like a mudslide right down into the road. Get this engine started. We're going to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books that we read, the comic shop that you and I own, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff. I am... Recent TikTok star Django. And you can find the plug for his TikTok account in the show notes here. But Django, why don't you just give a quick shout out for what that oh, account you, is? You, you want me to plug it? Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. Wait, it's at sign. Like it's like the last half of an email. It's right, right, right. Pretty good TikTok videos. I always want to say .com, but there's no .com at the end of that. It's so just... it's an email address. It's not an email address. Not it an is email. an email address. It's like a, a third of an email address or something. I'm glad that pretty good TikTok videos. One of the two of us is being the canary in the TikTok coal mine because I don't know yeah. what any of it. Oh, just wait till we get a shop TikTok account. We're going to be it like Tumblr? famous anuses. I don't really know what a Tumblr is. I think I threaded the needle of being too old for Tumblr and too young for not Tumblr. Which is right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get yeah. that. Um. Django, you're back. 
Thank gosh. I missed you, bud. I missed you. Good, good. I would not want that. It would not been reciprocated. Your front. I'm back. And my back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were going blue with it. I was. I was. I was. Um, hey, listen, Django, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you heard, but we kind of stumbled through a, an email last week. We didn't have one. Listen, you've been gone. Will Elmer's been MIA, too. He's like oh, joining man. soccer leagues and Nathan's coaching soccer. And <laughs> I remember those days. It was like a 40 minute commute once a weekend. And if the kids had separate soccer games, it was like two 40-minute commutes. Did you coach any time? No, fuck no. Yeah. I'm no no sucker. I think Nabu's doing the coaching. Yeah, it's basically just glorified babysitting. But on the topic of Will Elmer, (laughs) I've got uh, hello and happy episode 284. I want to take a minute to write in and give a quick plug for the Comics Place book club that will be having our first in-person book discussion in just a week or so, depending on when this podcast goes live. In the evening of Monday the 19th at the Comics Place, we'll be discussing Ghost Tree by Bobby Kernow and Simon Gain. If you're listening to this podcast, this is Jeff. Uh, you probably remember us talking about those issues a couple of years ago. It was one of my favorite books that came out that year. Really, really good stuff. Back to Will. We have we will have limited space, so if this sounds exciting to you and you would love to come hang out for an hour and half and talk about the Ghost Tree, join our Comics Place Book Club Facebook group or send an email to and Jeff, can they send you an email? Yeah, they can send me an email at jeffatthecomicsplace.com. Do that. That's a great direct way. You can also send us an email for the podcast there. That's how Will gets his in. So please do that. Jeff at symbol, like that one Django was talking about, like the second like, half of like the email. TikTok. It's like a TikTok address, but it has a name in the front and a .com at the end, right? It's kind of like a mullet, like a yeah. name in the front and an email address in the back. A com at the Jeff back. Jeff at thecomicsplace.com uh the book club is awesome we started doing it in the pandemic <clears throat> it's great the community there is super cool i'm in love with every one of those people you should join it you'll love it yeah uh, incredibly friendly we've seen new people join at all different times and they take to it like uh ducks hoop and imprinted by a cat meow back to will oh, wow. other books poopy than the, what i was gonna say drake london is expected to play uh other books on our future reading list include reckless volume five which has been an ongoing read for us get jiro that texas blood and lady killer all books that amazing friends have been constantly telling us that we need to read so my question for you this week is a simple one what is an amazing book that you are constantly telling people to read that not enough people have read turn up love you guys awesome p.s i don't have anything funny or witty to say right now but i think you are all wonderful people and thought you should know that well, that's really sweet of you, Will. we think you're a wonderful oh sorry never mind gross <clears throat> i forgot i'm imprinting on this this cat over here and he doesn't have a meow lot of- meow um what are the amazing books that we always tell everyone that they need to read i, I bet i can do yours i'm just a fucking broken record jeff i, I, I am got, I, I got three of them and you could name them all i don't know if i can get all three of them but i can get two of them um and i'm sure you could do the same for me but it's harder for me to even remember them but <laughs> I, for django i would say it's transmetropolitan oh. preacher and lock and key i don't know those are three django yeah, those, books those are three django books but i don't i've never had a hard time getting people to read those yeah well it's, so it was the implication that it's a thing that you're kind of screaming to the void about that people aren't getting into that that's what i got out of it but okay I was cool half listening like usual well when i read out loud i kind of have to shut off my hearing brain and just do my talking brain all books that amazing friends my question for you this week is a simple one what is an amazing book that you are constantly telling people to read that not enough people have read okay all right so I'll give you okay. I'll give you mine. I, I can give you three right off the top okay. of my head. Okay. But I feel like it's kind of stupid because these are three that I I think every answer to any one of Will's questions has been these three books. Oh no. It's The Shadow by Andy Helfer and Kyle Baker with Bill Sienkiewicz on the first six issues. It's Justice League International. 
And I guess the last one would be a toss up between The Shadow and Justice Inc. or Nathaniel Dusk. Mm. Jig, I'm really curious what you have for me. Gosh. Um, There's one that came very clearly to mind after a minute of thinking about it that fits that criteria perfectly. Is um, it Doom Patrol? No. Yeah, have you read Doom Patrol? I haven't finished Doom Patrol. Animal Man. I haven't finished Animal Is Man. Is it a Grant Morrison book? Is it no. three Grant Morrison books? None of, maybe none of them are Grant Morrison. Holy shit. No, none of them are Grant Morrison. Is it uh is it the the Sergio Argonis kills the DC universe? <laughs> uh destroys the DC universe. <laughs> uh no, it's not. Although I really want to do a podcast about that since you found one for me. I haven't read yeah. it since you've gotten it for me. I really we I would like to do that. Let's do it. I'll bet we can find another one. I bet we can. Or you just no. sit across the table from each other and do this. I would love that. God, in person, have some coffee. Um, we'll go third to first. Third will be Day Tripper. Oh, yeah. People, it's just not a thing many people know about. And I think if people have read it, they love it. But it's also, it was like a Vertigo book a while ago. Weirdly some, yeah. difficult to describe. Yeah as a sales pitch kind of book that one my next one up uh jonathan hickman's fantastic four because no one mm. really likes the idea of reading a fantastic four comic in the 2000s they're just or like that reading thing. what 40 issues or 60 issues of a fantastic four book yeah it might be more but we'll <clears throat> be conservative with it and then the number I got, I got, one i got a third of the way through yeah yeah i mean it, it's good and it's not a book that i would say screams Django. so no um and then the the but the primary one the one that screams is answering me is akira um, oh yeah and people do not buy that book all the time no matter how much i try to sell it because they're like yeah i saw the movie and it's like okay but it's a totally different story <laughs> like we can't even kind of compare them they're so different yeah um, the only thing that's in common is the characters names and that they're both visually stunning um but yeah that's a book that uh we do still sell a lot of but like it's it's a hard sell, everyone. It's a hard sell. No one, everyone, I bet there's people listening to this podcast have never read Akira. And in spite of me having yelled about how amazing it is that everyone should read it. But there's somebody on this podcast who's only read the first two volumes of Akira. Well, it's good. We should read it sometime. It's it's a good book. Book club, give us all an excuse to read Akira every other month or something. <laughs> um, Django, we're going to talk about a variety of books, including Batman 127, Dear Detective Number 1, Punisher, Dark Knights of Steel, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. But before we get into those, is there anything that you, uh, any, any, did you have a good day? Do you want to start us how you're, you're steering? Yeah, I had a pretty good day. Yeah. Did you have a, have you had a Quattro Formaggio since you got back? I've had a Quattro Formaggio since I got back. Good. And I, I like where your priorities are I did it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My priorities, Quattro, eating a Quattro Formaggio in the park trumps shitty air quality. Which uh, if what you park? live in Bellingham this week, uh, you know, you know that the air quality has been like Tatooine on a bad day. I love it. Um, I, I eat at the park right across from Da Vinci's. So I get myself oh, and then yeah, I drive yeah, yeah. like a quarter of a block, yeah. sit in the shade with my back to the basketball courts and so everyone, a sandwich until I need a nap. There's a chance that on a podcast day, if you go to uh, the eastern half of Whatcom Falls Park, you might be able to encounter Django eating a sandwich and reading comics. It's true. It's true. If you want uh, less informed content on this podcast, come up and say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to read my comics, but then I talked to <laughs> X for a long time. Uh, Will, thanks for your email. Django, kick us off. Well, I know we were going to talk about some of those books, but I, I had a couple I wanted to talk to you about, too. Please do. Um, did you read that Texas Blood number 17? Never have I ever. Dude, it's so good. Did you see the cover of this issue? 
it's just like this this dude wow, in a ski mask serial killer outfit shaving and it's like black and white and horrifying looks like walter kovacs he does look like walter kovacs and just once again the storytelling in this book is spot on the character work is amazing the the back matter is wonderful and the it's just such a patient 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 book that uh i i think as a fan of storytelling i think you got to you got to jump on into this at some point. Uh, Will got stuck stranded on the side of the road on the freeway with like a flat tire or something recently and had not read it and read the whole first paperback. Nice. Yeah. So nice. I think yeah. that was that one. Yeah. And it's one of those rare books that just, I think, keeps getting better. And I don't even know how that's possible because it started out pretty good. But I get that and Newburn very <clears> confused <throat> in my mind because they're books that my two good friends give tens pretty frequently and that I haven't read except for the first issue of both. I would, I would give both of them a 10 i would also give this uh a thicker 10 than newburn Ooh, pretty much every time that's a thick 10 <clears throat> did you so did, did you read fuck this place or, sorry i hate this place number four you know i read uh, i did not i know i didn't read that i read one oh. i didn't read it no, no. Did, did you read fuck this place number four just kidding no. it's the same book just <laughs> a different cover. how is that book going bud it's a well talking about it immediately after that texas blood it feels makes not me as good Jeff. realize <laughs> no it makes me realize that it has some similarities with the oh. the characterizations and like this is way more action-packed but it's also very very patient with certain things and i think that this book is i mean i don't want to say masterful but i think oh. it's close to masterful oh my gosh you know i haven't read it i can't <clears> remember <throat> if i've read three or not but i enjoyed whatever i read um also, Kyle yeah. Starks. Starks is pretty great. And Artem yeah. Toplin is is drawing it. And their art is, I think, pretty close to Kyle Starks. Django, you know? can I explore something with you before we move on to the next book? Yeah. I had a faux pas at the comic shop today. And I would oh. I want you to, I would like for <laughs> you to either tell me I'm a loon or to try and help me justify why these wires got crossed in my mind. All right. A uh, friend of the show, Matt Goff, was in the store today. Uh, yeah. Doesn't live in town, so I don't get to see him a ton, you mm -hmm. know. And I know he likes, you know, a big overlap of things with me. Um, and we had an issue of Tales of the Human Target for him. Oh, yeah. We were talking about stuff. We were talking about, like, X-Men books and just different stuff. Life, comics. Um, <clears throat> and I went upstairs for a minute, take care of some stuff, came back downstairs. And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't know. I know he read Ecstatics and liked that and likes Mike Allred. I don't know if he read Superman Space Age. And okay. I was like, dude, did you read that? And he was like, no. I was like, well, it's Tom King and Mike Allred doing like the best Superman story out there. Like, you got to read. He's like, I had no idea that existed at all. We went back to the shelf and like he picked it up. He's like, this looks awesome. But Tom King's name is not on this anywhere. And it's Mark Russell. It's Mark Russell. Okay. And that's, so that's the wire that you got crossed. And does, does that make sense? What is the commonalities in those guys? Why would I do that? Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Other than that we adore and respect both of them quite a bit. I kind of think that they both are kind of cult following auto sub writers. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's not very many writers. Those might be the only two right now where yeah. like they have a wide output. And anytime they have maybe. a new one. Yeah, I will auto sub, you know, all of the previous one people to it. What? Um, and they like, and then I guess Tom King did that one Superman story. And I don't know if Tom King's ever worked on 
with Mike Allred and Mark Russell. I think, uh, both, yeah, like the, the, it's off tone for Mark Russell. I think I, I don't think that that book feels. Yeah, it's I got agree. a different mouth feel than most Mark Russell well, books. It but feels like a Tom King book to me. <clears throat> A lot of heart in it. Yeah, but it doesn't it, have it the... It doesn't feel yeah. like Tom King to yeah. me. Like, if if I were going to put it somewhere, I would put it probably with Dan Slott and Mike Allred's Silver Surfer. Yeah. You know, like, I, I would put those on the shelf next to each other. And I don't think it's just because of the art. But that that's an interesting... Uh, it, it's happened interesting before. Thing. I have confused Mike <laughs> Allred and... Or, sorry, uh, Mark Russell and Tom King before. I've just, like, swapped those people in my head. Huh. That's interesting. Um, anyway, let's let's catch up on a book that you read. Let, let, oh, yeah, pick, yeah. pick one that let, I've actually read. Yeah, okay. Uh, you read the Image 30th Anthology number six, right? Uh, so I, I did, did you did I, you like you didn't, didn't read, read that it. either? No, I didn't read it. But Django, did you read the Zoe Thorogood story in there? Zoe Thorogood. Oh, is that the one that looks like Junji Ito? Yeah, I think so. If it's black and white. Black and white with a weird like yeah 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 baby yeah. baby worm. I'm pretty certain that was hers. Again, I didn't Holy read. I didn't, I didn't read it. Yeah, but... it is Zoe Thorogood. That's I got to it and I was like, oh, Junji Ito's working for Image. And then I read a little more and I was like, no, he's definitely not. But this is this makes me feel gross like his covers do. Dude, <clears throat> yeah, I had mentioned it on here before, but that's that person that I can't go on Twitter at any point and not hear about she's like the next big thing she's she's pretty amazing the art and actually maybe did she do the art in rain mm -hmm. okay okay yep good eye she's great yeah really really well done um the first story in here is the jeff johns and andrea muti uh like criminals versus supernatural story and it's just good i i really like andrea muti a lot more than i expected to yeah that's an artist that Django get the shortlist going. That's somebody shortlist. we need. That's we, that's somebody we okay. need. That's a creator. That's okay. somebody who's under the radar for the most part, but we have tracked through multiple series and really like. Just every time, whether we remember that we've seen their art before or not, they're yeah. I've titled a piece of paper the shortlist, and their name is on it. All right. I hope they're not short. So there's also there's the first killer one chapter. Killer Thanks. Thanks, dude. I bet you missed me, huh? Killer. I, dude, I <laughs> genuinely missed you. <laughs> There's a little sneak peek of Royal City Volume 2 from Jeff Ooh. Lemire in here. Um, not my favorite Jeff Lemire story, but I think if it if it keeps going, I think it's just going to get better. Because I really like the, all the setup. It was like 15 issues or so. That came out at this weird Jeff Lemire time where he was doing a lot of books that all seemed a little samey. He was ruining yes. Royal City and like... Was there like a flower one? Or like... Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was cranking stuff out, and it was right writing and drawing them. Yeah, um, and, and they were all good, but they weren't books. like Jeff Lemire good necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that first volume of that was excellent. Um, I just think it could be a lot more. There's a hack slash story in here that's really oh, Seely getting the band back together. Yeah. It's got Super Patriot in it, which is dumb as fuck. What I did read of those image anthologies, I really, really liked. Uh, it yeah. was just not quite enough pages for me to like keep up with because it was like a month right. between them, sometimes more. And I was getting like six pages at a time. And it was really hard for me to remember stuff. And there have been issues that didn't land for me. But this this one was good. The Makeshift Patriot by Sean Lewis is just this weird, dumb, violent, like, whoa, zombie crazy kind of thing. Looking. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't, I think that it's supposed to be kind of bad. And I really liked it. Dude, it's interesting. Uh, like that format doesn't work super, super well for me a month between issues of getting like that many pages. But right. 
Japan, their whole industry, which is like I probably would think is like the biggest comic industry in the world. Yeah, I, I, so. I don't have any basis for that, but um, <clears throat> but like it's primarily released in shonen or like jumps shonens. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're getting like that number of pages, but it's weekly. But you get these big oh, yeah. fat books, so you're getting a ton of different series, but you're getting ten pages of it. But you're getting it weekly. Mm-hmm. I think that would work really, really well. I'm curious. You know, it didn't it, work when Image tried it recently. I dropped off after about three issues. That Skybound one. Yeah. Yeah. Was it week? Yeah, it was weekly, wasn't it? I wonder. I wonder what the number of comics that come out in Japan versus the number of comics that come out in the U.S. is. Like, that's a good question. And also, you know, maybe something like that works better for somebody who reads three comics a week instead of fourteen comics a week. You know? Yeah. No, we that's read a good point. A we do. We do, and I love. Anyway, it. this this is excellent. It's. At its sixth issue, they'll—I'm sure—they'll probably collect some of these in like little tiny issues or square-bound things. But I'm really enjoying the the format, and I actually kind of dig the the month in between episodes because that first one that's in each issue is the Jeff Johns one, and it's got a good cliffhanger, and it catches you up really well with each issue. So I do—I like that was my favorite in there. Well, you you read uh, Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty four, right? <clears throat> That was the the fourth issue from mm-hmm. uh, Captain Lansing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you read that one? I did. Did you like Remind that shower scene? Me of the shower scene. It's just like the only good drawing in the whole comic is this shower scene here uh, uh, with with Captain America in the shower. Wow, that is a good looking shot. <clears throat> yeah. I would remember that if I had remembered it. Remembered to read it. Oh yeah. Oh okay. You didn't read it. The rest I, of the art is is just fine. There's a nice hug between uh, Cap and and Winter Soldier, like a oh. like the splash page in this issue. Imagine is if that was a, a shower a shower scene. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of what they're doing with the character's emblem. I don't know if you have you read any of these. Yeah, I was I read up until one or two ago, but yeah, like the shield symbol. He was using his whole kind of like shadow esque old crew of people tracking down this mystery, and like there's like fractions of the star on it, or like going back to an old yeah. organization what do we know from that what what's what is going on with that like, i obviously read it but remind the, me the circles around the shield each represent different parts of the world and the outer ring is this alien race it seems like oh, which sure i guess it's 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 kind of like that that spider-man as the spider totem thing you know okay I mean? like i just kind of wanted him to be a dude who got strong uh, like yeah. I could do if I really Yeah, it is. okay. That I did remember that there was a little bit of like <clears throat> uh not necessarily mysticism, but like uh yeah. Just larger world into a puzzle that was predestined or something. Yeah, I don't need that. But yeah. You know, it's four issues in and I'm still reading it. I don't know if I'll make it as far as I have with Moon Knight. Somehow I'm fucking fifteen issues into that book. So what, what do you got? What I what do you got that I? Oh, read you probably now? read the last issue of Twig, right? You've been keeping up with that, Scotty Young and Kyle Stram. There's never been a Scotty Young book that I haven't finished. Actually, no, it's the opposite of that. There's never been a oh, Scotty Young book I've read that I've finished. I think you might really like this. Swag. Just pretend the Twig is a cat. I was out of town it. the week that that issue first came out. The first one. Oh, okay. Um, Twag. It's pretty good. This is the this is the end of the arc. I'm sure there'll be. I'm, it probably says, "Oh, yep, Twig will return on the last page." Twag. Hmm. Um, Lots of really interesting monsters and friends and just kind of niceness wins the day. It's that must good. be like you here in a foreign language. Yeah. 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 But I can, yeah. I, can <laughs> I can appreciate something and not agree with it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're all fascinated by aliens, you know? Yeah. 
I I think I think it's really cute, and um, I think Scotty Young should just hand this over to uh, Michelle Gagne for Ooh. for animating. Although Michelle does does the same thing just as good as Scotty Young does, and yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, I think right before the I pandemic, think that's gonna be a good to go book. To his house. You read Holler, right? Number five, Jeremy Massey. Django, I'm the guy that got that book into our store, talked to Jeremy Massey, yeah. got them autographed, brought them in. Yeah, so, I remember no, you I, loved I, it. I did. Oh, it. you oh you did. I haven't read it. I oh, haven't read well, it. hey, can I tell you something I did do? Yeah. I'm almost done with season five of Better Call Saul. Okay? Oh. So that's where my fiction, almost all of my fiction, has gone with any experiment that I've had in the last. You're few just. Years. You're just butt chugging that movie. I am. It's like the a longest hour movie. movie. Yeah, it's but it's so good. And it was recommended to me by one Breeden Brenizer. And you know, you know everyone. And uh BB. It's a show that I don't it that surprises me that Braden loves. So that I had to give it a try. And now I just I love getting to talk to Braden about it. It's the So tell me about Holler. Sorry. The shots in Better Call Saul are great and in Breaking Bad. But I think I might even like the cinematography in Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad. Yeah, they do. It's I gorgeous. think it's gotten a little bit more uh un unrained. They're like the success of Breaking Bad, I think, allows them to do these long scenes with like eight minute <clears throat> scenes without dialogue and music and just these gorgeous silent scenes. Yeah. They happen all the time. So I, I do I do yeah. think that like while it is a prequel, it does build on uh, the leeway that I think those creators now get while right. making a show because of how successful Breaking Dad Bad was. Well, it's Breaking really interesting Dad. to see them try to keep Mike looking young enough that he can show up in Breaking Bad. Everybody, 15 really. years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it takes a little a great character, a little putting the brain. In, so, in how the is Holler? Are they still oh, smoking dude, weed and Holler. playing music? They're still smoking weed and playing music. They're doing Love a little it. coke in this. Can't place. relate. Ooh, a girl ODs like. Ooh, she gets a little bit real in this. Oh no! And I think that he's doing something different with the way he's separating his colors in this, because some of them look a little softer than usual. We're putting Jeremy Massey on the short list. Short list Massey is what I call him. We're gonna get him on this podcast one of these days. This is—I don't know that I ever want this guy to do a Marvel or DC book, right? You know, like it's—it's it's super, super good and super, super indie. I can't see it translating very well to a batman or a captain america I mean, like but a runaways would, or like something uh, like that yeah. it would only improve anything it was on yeah um but, but these, i feel like the small personal stories are just so good some of so much of the strength i feel like of what i have read of that series is that he's writing and drawing it yeah um, from life i think yeah so it, it you know those creators it, it's I think it's much more difficult for uh, like a Jeff Lemire to jump to a Marvel DC thing than it is for like a Scott Snyder. Right. You know, because like Scott Snyder is a writer, so he can write and fit with different tones and artists can match that. When you're looking at like a Jeff Lemire or a Jeremy Massey, where so much of the appeal is the, the confluence of like the art, the voice, right. the storytelling. Um, and I really can't think of many Jeff Lemire mainstream like Marvel or DC books I've enjoyed from him outside of Animal Man. But but yeah, it's it's a weird yeah. jump. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I don't know if I would like that. But also give this man some money and some career. We like yeah. to protect him. I, I, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be over or nearing its end i hope he's got a trade coming soon because i i would i would push the shit out of that yeah we should start talking to publishers image i bet like when he's done image would be able to put a paperback out because he's already paid to make the book so like the deal is oh, all yeah. we need to go through yeah is it is it that indie it's just him yeah 
and it's Holy like a weird shit, binding dude. shape and like i ordered him from him directly like he was so i, I don't know if he's are you still ordering them. it from him directly no there are in previews okay. but i didn't see it until issue three and got it in oh, and loved right. it and then wrote up but yeah. we couldn't get ones and twos anywhere but he still had them so really he, really good call um and um, if anybody is interested in what we're talking about and two grown old ass men being in love with a young stoner music boy uh come in and get some <laughs> holler because i do think that we still have some autographed issues of one and two in the shop Okay. Okay. So now I, we're I know I'm the, striking out. The, you, the, I'm sure you read this one though. Okay. Okay. I'm convinced that you read this. Time before time, number sixteen. Yeah. Gary Jerry Duggan. No, sorry, bud. It's not Gary, Gary Jerry? Jerry Duggan. Is that Declan Shalvey? Yeah. Man, I always think that book is Gary Jerry. <laughs> no, it's Rory McConaville with Declan Shalvey writing. Tell me, it doesn't seem like analog though. It, no, not even a little bit. Oh, okay. Cool. I don't know. Did analog have time travel? Uh, it was like futuristic sci-fi detective. Yeah, this is this. Okay. I don't want to crawl too far up my own ass here, but Jeff, there's a big difference between sci-fi books and crime books or sorry, detective books and crime books. Yeah, I agree. Right? This is, this I agree. is, I agree. This is a crime book with time travel. Okay. Not a detective. There's, there's hardly any detective shit going on in here. It's just, okay mobsters hey. beating up mobsters across time hey listen if you wanted to from you know like to me to split apart the subtle differences between my favorite guitar players and stuff i'd be like there's a big dick you know like i get it i don't <laughs> see it i support you and i know that i've got an untrained eye it's uh, it's a book that i read every single time it comes out and it's 16 issues in and i never know who the characters are or what their motivations are but every single issue entertains me and pulls me through from start to finish and i think that that's a pro i don't think it's a bad thing to uh not remember what's happening or who the characters are but it's just huge time spanning thing that gets weirder and weirder every time and also gets more and more grounded with the characters every time um i if you had told me this was going to be five issues when number one came out, I would have been satisfied, but I'm really glad that it's just still going and going and going. And I'm actually, because of this comic, I'm pretty excited for Shalvi's uh, uh, old dog, which comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah. That was just on FOC. That did look good. Yeah. I know. I mean, it looks like almost like his uh, run on Moon Knight, which was mostly action with very little plot, but mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of this guy. I, I listened to him get interviewed on Declan Shalvey. Yeah. Okay. On off panel. I think it was. Mm -hmm. And and that was a really entertaining interview. He's Irish, I believe. So, well, okay. He's married to Jory Blair. That's right. Who's Jason Waite's cousin. Yeah. No relation to Tom Waite, but That's he is Irish. Irish. Also Tom Waite's is plural. Did I just do that wrong? You said Jason Waite, Tom Waite. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. I guess maybe next week Jeff will have read some comics. Whoa, passive aggressive much. Okay. <laughs> I was busy watching Better Call Saul. Uh, I also saw the movie Barbarian, which I don't want to talk to you about until I see it. I also saw the movie The Invitation. That was good. Both of those in the last week. And we both just saw Jaws. And we both saw Jaws. Exactly. Yeah. That was, okay. uh, okay. You I mentioned also something. Spent, like a hundred hours painting. Oh, are you doing a new I'm cover moving. for dc or marvel yeah me and alex ross he's showing yeah. me color work that's pretty cool that's pretty yeah. cool lots of yellows in your house then huh yellows greens yellows a little bit of red um if i were to if i were to rank my colors yellow and green would be near the bottom of things i ever want to wear from and colors i want to see also like <laughs> like i hate yellow yeah i hate yeah. yellow what's it okay. there for 
we talked you talked about jaws on the podcast last week i i finally listened to this pot this little podcast that you've been doing i've been doing last a little, week. i've been doing a little thing i didn't want to start at the beginning for a little while i wanted i wanted to be current so i listened well, to the newest episode that's good the beauty of this podcast is you get all the jokes if you listen to even the freshest episode they're all yep. in there yep i i like how you have the page at the beginning of the podcast that has headshots of all the pot of all the jokes yep jokes are characters reoccurring characters bud yep oh that's true that's true um you mentioned something, I think it was in there, mm-hmm. about the Jaws transfer not being very good. I don't Is know that if that right? was me. Oh, yeah. I saw it in IMAX, and it and was, it, was it did not fill the whole screen at all. That's a fucking ripoff. Because they cut off the fringe of, like, even the names in the credits. Oh, really? They changed yeah. the aspect ratio? Do you think they just had the wrong lens on? Something. That's dumb. I saw it in 3D. In oh, Auditorium One, which is not you can't just gloat at a poor boy like I am about you're I, going to your 3D showing. I'm a, just a poor RPX boy, RPX it was IMAX good 3D man. dude. It was yeah. good 3D, and to bring it back to something we were talking about a minute ago with uh, Better Call Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah, Better Call Jimmy. Um, I can't believe that they let him get away, Steven Spielberg get away with so many oneers. Like one long like one shots, long one shots. It's it, like he's kind of known for it, right? When you get introduced to Marion Ravenwood and Raiders, it's like a five minute tracking shot of her getting drunk. You see that cute picture of Harrison Ford and the guy today? No. Oh, is there an announcement? No, there's just a cute photo. I think it's at a comic convention that just happened. And it's Harrison Ford and the little kid. Oh, that's now no. grown up. I almost sent it to you. Oh, short you round. Know. Yeah, short round. Yeah. You know, he was, he was in everything from... everywhere all at once. Yeah, yeah, and that's why yeah. he's like now he's famous. But they, there's a picture of them just joyously hugging at a. Convention. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I was impressed with the one, with the oneers, and with the 3D transfer. What point did you doze off? Uh, I dozed off like while they were talking, like giving their histories in the boat before we really got a good shark action. Okay. I dozed off and woke up. I dozed off three times in that scene. And then I also fell asleep while they were fighting the shark, but only for a couple seconds. I, li- I like the idea of a recurring bit where we talk about what points we fell asleep in movies. I fell asleep in kind of the text a- a dialogue laden scene before they get on the boat to finally go hunt the animal. So like okay. made it a good chunk <laughs> in, yep. got a real lull there. And then they yep. go on the boat. I do think the scene where they're giving their backstories uh like where they do the the where like he tells the story about having been in the boat from that delivered the Hiroshima bomb is maybe yeah. my favorite part of the whole movie. I heard the word Hiroshima and I woke up again and then I didn't really know what the story had been. But yeah, um, I, I definitely sleep through parts of movies. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's movie the theaters deal. are the most comfortable place in the entire world. So Batman One Twenty Seven by Chip Zdarsky and uh, Jorge Jimenez. Oh, you read that one, huh? I me read too. comics also. I don't. I've we talked about this bit and it kind of became a like, let's poop on Jeff for not reading enough <laughs> comics. And I didn't mean, I didn't know in the, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that when we started, this was the direction it was taking. I feel well, like you've set me up. I, I don't want to throw any French words out there, but saboteur. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes I have to do a long setup to, I didn't realize the candid you. conversation we had at the beginning was part of your long setup. <laughs> So Chips the Dunk Dunk's been doing this Batman book, Django. We're three issues into this Batman series. And before we even talk about this specific issue, how are you feeling about this Batman series? I think it's pretty good. I think it's I think it's a real solid Batman series. I like that it is focusing on small. So we're just following Batman fighting a thing that he did to himself. Mm-hmm. 
and we're not dealing with the mayor that much we're not dealing with even yeah. bad guys with motivations this yeah. is like batman fucked himself into a corner and now he's got to deal with it we've been dealing with just basically an extended chase scene we're three yeah. issues into a chase scene like a one issue of a setup two issues of chase now i bet this whole kind of six issue thing is really going to be from a writer perspective Ch- chip being like okay I'm going to do five or six issues of a big battle chase, but throughout it, I'm going to do all this character work. And and I I, I agree. I think from a story plotting perspective, it's really, really great. How do you feel about his voice for Batman? Well, I mean, we hardly get it in here because he's the Batman of Zura and Ah for the most part. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's great. Yeah, I just I don't yeah. I don't question it at all, I guess, is my, my point, which is like sometimes when writing like p- different writers come on these books we're three issues into this run. Joshua Williamson did one. Chip, uh, Jimmy T.I.V. did one right before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like to me, it felt like reading that writer filtered through Batman. And yeah. this one actually really feels to me like I'm reading. It feels kind of like I'm dipping into the middle of the late 90s Batman or something. There's like good yeah. Batman where the characters established and the voice is established. And uh, and I believe it and I don't question it at all. It, it feels very, uh, you know, not paying deference to the way that the character has been written. But <clears throat> but that it, but that like I don't want to say like it's paying over respect, but it, no, it really is just to me. It fits in with my vision of how, you know, like the Jeff Loeb style Batman. It's also very knowledgeable about Batman and history, right? So the opening scene is Batman and Superman talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. After the events of Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel which I don't think I ever even read that. But I know I know the yeah. conceit. I'm with you. I haven't read it as well, but I know exactly all about it. Which is and then also downside. he's brought back the Batman of Zura and Awe, mm-hmm. And he knows that Tim wouldn't be really filled in on the Batman of Zura and Awe. So he, he gets to use Tim as a way to explain it to us. And then he also quotes, um, Oh, Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. Where yeah, he talks I was about excited how to talk to you death. about that. Like, yeah. And and I, I think that the first time Batman started treating his family as soldiers was also in Dark Knight Returns. And that's that's been revisited a lot, but this has a, a big scene where he's like, hey, these aren't my family, they're, they're soldiers as the Batman of Zura and Awe, which is kind of gives, I mean, does that mean that that by the time the Dark Knight Returns comes around, we've got Zura and Awe kind of absorbed by Batman? Well, I think that, it, yeah, it's a great question. So in you talking about it, it made me think that, to me, I feel like in Dark Knight Returns, he's been totally consumed by the mission. And to me, Batman of Zura and Awe is Batman, totally the mission of the Batman. Mission. Yeah. You know, and the thing that <clears throat> separates a distilled Batman from a Bruce Wayne Batman is mm-hmm. his his humanity, basically, and right. his connection to family. So I, I did like and hear a lot that the thing that was, you know, like, um, I will, I think we talked about on the previous issue of this series, Django, kind of like, we don't want it to just be like, he can slip into the Batman Zuranar if he's in the costume or whatever. I right. liked the kind of subconscious battle he had. Like, yeah. there's these subconscious pers- personas and the, you know, the subconscious Batman that is Bruce that demands recognition of his family to protect people is able to overpower you know batman of zuranar i loved all the batman of zuranar stuff just because it's so funny i loved and this was a in, in as far as i know this was a chipism but he he's writing batman of zuranar like it's a 70s batman he's saying chum and stuff and i loved that like i loved the voice for that batman was like 70s batman which is like maybe that was the era with which batman created the backup persona 60s even sure 
right? Yeah. Just like you know, Batman packed. 66 with the chum. And I think the yeah. Batman of Zero and Awe was in I agree. The Silver the 60s comic. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. again, I don't actually know age ranges. I just say stuff. But um, but yeah, that early, early era. So I love the idea. I think he he's done a good job of kind of taking this idea of Zero and Awe and kind of pressing it in and pasting it into the continuity of Batman of when it would have been created mm-hmm. and therefore what the lexicon would be. Um, that's, a, that's a good catch but then also the kind of joking back and forth of him not joking but like uh he was like oh yeah no you're batman you know certainly thought that i would create this thing so i erased that memory because i knew that if i had created this thing i would back me up to come <laughs> into here and it's like of course batman has a contingent which is like some of chip's humor but also brutally honest about batman and taps into that tower of Babel story reference pretty well yeah um and then, well, I, then uh, oh yeah. yeah go ahead well, I was going to say, I also just loved this failsafe character more and more. Like as he's kind of like, there's a there was more malice to the character introduced in this issue because he's like walking mm-hmm. down the hallway and scraping the family portraits, which is like, if you're a program, that's not in your program, right? But yeah, right, yeah. Let's fuck with Bruce. And it was interesting that Bruce flipped out when he just before he got to to scratching up the uh, Alfred the, the Alfred picture. I didn't catch that to my second read today. Yeah, yeah. I liked that uh, he's like, I designed failsafe. So did I design it with standard Android mobility weakness? And he goes, no, I'm too damn "Ah, good. No, I'm too good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this is phenomenal. It's exactly what I want to be getting out of Batman comic. And I'm super, super loving it right now. Um, And the backup story is very, very good as well. Okay, so you you like the backup story. This is is three of the backup story. And it's the end of it. Yeah. And I don't know if I like the idea of uh, Penguin leaving town and fixing his nose. I don't like Penguin with a fixed nose. I think that's really what it boils down to. I I, I think the whole conceit of him getting Penguin getting a makeover and trying to live a life of normalcy um, is going to be short lived. And of course, that's not mm-hmm. the Penguin if he doesn't have like, yeah, it's not the Penguin. It's it, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a three little piece story. I liked it. Yeah. But there was no part of me thought that what that just happened to the penguin was going to be a lasting thing. Yeah. Because like it can't be. And the next backup is Zura and Awe year one. Oh, I didn't even sure, see that. I'm fucking in. Um, oh, 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 that's very exciting to me. And I really like the way that he set up Superman's appearance at the end of this issue. Because you forget about the intro until it yeah. happened. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Um, and there's so really early on when I was buying comics in like 1988, 89, 90, there was a Superman three issue crossover. I think I just bundled in the store recently, but it's basically the story of how Superman steals some kryptonite from Lex Luthor. And gives it to Batman as a contingency plan just in case yeah. Superman ever goes bad. And, and he that, keeps it in a small box. Yeah, like a little lead line box. And that was the first time that I'd ever really considered that that kind of thing where Superman might need to be stopped someday. And I really like that, like the trust that that shows between them. I agree. And these days, like Batman doesn't necessarily deserve that trust, I don't think. But back then it was like, you know, Batman will always be the 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 guy who's going to be good because like yeah i i just don't know that i would give batman that ring now okay so th- we both have not read tower of Babel, but we know the conceit of it it's is basically batman the same as justice is batman in the well yeah there you know justice was has, anyway is batman in the right or the wrong there well i think he's in an impossible situation i think batman has to have the files on the justice league to bring them down just in case uh-huh. i i 
I agree with Batman in this where he's like, yeah, uh, I have these files just in case and I'm not going to destroy them. Instead, I need better security on them. Yeah. Um, because I, I think... That's how I feel as well. Yeah, like who who would you give those files to? You wouldn't, but I don't blame somebody for having contingency plans. And then I, I guess right. that like the whole conceit of this story is basically this fail-safe device. It's like Batman being attacked by a contingency plan, but not right. you know as overt as... Uh, Tower Babel. So nine point five for me. Score of the week. I'm, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight point five. Hell yeah. Solid, solid comic. I can't. And, yeah. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I can't. It's Batman and Zero R. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that totally makes sense. Um, there are a couple panels of the Penguin that looked a lot like uh, Chaken. It was just a fun little thing, but it was it was weird. I I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's also it doesn't hurt to have the blinds back there. That's very a Chakenism. Yeah. Um, um. Okay. So so this book, I think. Uh-huh. ties into an ongoing theory that I've got about the DC universe oh. that I've been wrong about a few times in the last couple of years. But uh, that penguin bit makes makes me think of something that I think we're going to get to in, at some point here. What is it? Well, we got to talk oh, the, about some the, other books. Well, we are going to talk about it today? I think so. Okay, good. Um, well, because we're going way long, let's, let's move quickly here. Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms. This has to be the worst cover of the week, right? I, I don't have all the covers in front of me, but it's certainly in the running. It's, but not the worst guts of the week. No, it's not. But it's a bad cover. Yeah. Um, love the ton. So, yeah, we basically just are getting a little dip into the Dark Knights of Steel universe while we are taking a break to have the artist catch up, presumably a la what we just had with Tales of the uh, Human Target. Um, so we get a little sto- uh, issue that's got three stories. The first half of it is a Tom Taylor written story, which is nice because he's doing the main Dark Knights of Steel series. And then we get two shorter ones that comprise the back half. I didn't care for the second one quite as much, but I did really like the Bane one a lot. And I Dude. really liked the first one, which is the bulk of the issue in this just classically Tom Taylor way. He just makes me like reading characters. He flushes everything out perfectly. There's emotional beats and action beats and friend beats. Like I just uh, that that one is just like, God damn it, Tom Taylor, you're he's, so good. He's got like 18 pages here, or 16 pages or some shit. And he manages to set up and solve a mystery that is so obvious when you get to the end and was so opaque in the beginning. Like every single clue is there. Mm-hmm. You I, like, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't I didn't predict any of the way that that was going to go. Well, I definitely I like predicted Man Bat as soon as he said there was like, oh, there's a thing in front of the moon that covered the moon. I was like, oh, that's Man Bat. Like, I as didn't... soon as we saw a Two-Face analog, I was like, oh, okay, so we're doing analogs. It'll be Man Bat. Okay. Well, I didn't get that. I didn't but think he's that it so was going to be an orphanage Oswald's. thing. I, no, like, yeah, all, that was like, all. all of I it just... is, it's right there. And and, and yet he, he wraps you so, up so much in the characters that you're yep. not trying to solve the mystery at the points that he doesn't want you to. Yep. I think that's actually the perfect way to describe it. Um, and... and the other two stories, they were I thought they were really solid and I yeah. didn't I didn't even know that Tom Taylor didn't write them. That's how solid mm. I thought they were. Yeah, I thought the middle one was a little bit weaker. Um, but I really yeah, but liked it's got the last Batman one. Batman and Superman walking around on Halloween. And it's got like a big page of them like celebrating. You can see like Deathstroke and Bane and like yeah. all of these side characters hidden in the back as different costumes, you know, like Huntress. Uh that was it was fun. The whole thing was Rag really, really Man. fun. Yeah, Where's Ragman Roman right when you need him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the Bane one I love just because I love Bane. I did that Batman the animated series, that first Bane episode just makes me love had made me fall in love with Bane. And I think he's represented really interestingly and cool here. Um, and the, the betrayal in there is yeah. just I, I did see that coming from a mile away. Yeah. Um 
I, I loved how violent it was. Like in that first page, he cuts a dude in half off of his horse. Yeah, he fucked. And I think buddy. the worst part would be losing your arm while you got cut in half at the torso. I guess I just love. Yeah, that that is brutal. I also just love that we got like a big Tim Drake story in here. We got Tim Drake is focused in the chip chip run. Like I just yep. love Tim Drake. It's great to see him. Tim's, I gave this book a my second favorite. Seven point five. Yeah, I'll give it a seven and a half. It's a pretty good number. It's a good number. Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. Good number. Let's talk about at the same time Dark Crisis number four and Flashpoint number five. Jane, the reason because they feel like the same book. And like Flashpoint spoils Dark Crisis, kind of. Like I think the first three pages of Flashpoint is the densest three page of comic booking I've read in a long time. That barely let up. It didn't. Yeah, but I also like picture pages were dense in reading. I just I also like. Jeff Johns's flavor was in there, whether he wrote that overtly or it's the backup, right? Like helping or like, I don't know. That is a type of reading that I really, really still like. So I, it was super dense, but mm-hmm. I actually still really liked Flashpoint all the way through. I really liked that story. I thought that I did not care about the Flashpoint universe really at all after it ended. And this story has done a pretty good job of making me care about it. I don't know that it fits in perfectly with the way that Thomas Wayne was portrayed in Tom King's run. Feels like that character's motivations Okay. a little bit well maybe you can maybe you can help me here because i got the feeling that this that the tom king thomas wayne was plucked from time right before flashpoint ate itself mm-hmm. does that sound right yeah i think that yeah that universe ended and, thomas and then wayne i was think it to was, our universe for tom king and then i think that that universe was rebuilt because of dark crisis well, I don't know if we know why the universe was rebuilt yet. But so now but, we're getting we're getting a rebuilt Thomas Wayne in a rebuilt Flashpoint universe, which is not necessarily exactly the same as the old Flashpoint universe. Does that make sense? It makes sense that the universe is restructured. It does feel to me like it is the same Thomas Wayne because like he woke up. He's like, no, this universe is supposed to be dead oh, right. because I was in the other one and we killed it to say they do all this stuff. Like right. he seems to remember his time back in the DC universe and remembers what happened to the Flashpoint universe and like, you know, Barry dying and all this stuff. So I I don't think any of it doesn't make sense. It's just that I think if I'm being honest, the Thomas Wayne of Tom King's Batman run Mm-hmm. always morally didn't quite fit for me right. like he was being a real jerk to bruce and is it just to try and get him to stop being batman like that's kind of crazy so i really right. like this thomas wayne i really like the detective nature of this or, or is it crime i don't know one of the two um and i love <laughs> i love the like uh martha wayne joker stuff in here i I really love this world. He's done a fantastic job of making me care about this universe again. I like the inclusion of uh, Dr. Manhattan. But again, I don't have that issue in front of me because I brought it back to the shop because we were running low on them. So I, my m- memory is a tiny bit foggy on the way that that issue ends. To, it ends with uh, Bruce having, is it Bruce or Thomas? Bruce having a uh, conversation with Rip Hunter. Right, and Rip Hunter shows up. And I don't know enough about the Time Lords for those beats to have hit as hard as I wish they would. Nope, it's Thomas. Thomas talking of it. Okay, so things I liked about this a lot were the references to Armageddon 2001. Nope, didn't catch right? those. They've got Wave Rider and Captain Adam, which is a funny like DC story from back in the day where they, they set up this mystery 
and then somebody leaked who the bad guy like somebody in the year 2001 was going to become monarch the main bad guy and then somebody in the dc offices leaked who it was going to be and so they had to rewrite the end of the story mm. <laughs> um and then there's there's two things in here that it's not the first time we've seen this but the divine continuum mm -hmm. the dc mm -hmm. right are we just do, taking the long way around for all of dc to meet their creator jeff johns all a man uh, animal man right ah. so like the whole thing is oh there's something beyond the source wall oh there's something beyond beyond the source wall and that oh, was like the scott snyder thing beyond was doing beyond, beyond, beyond 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 yeah al ewing wrote this um yeah i don't know i haven't i haven't thought about kind of the end game of this because it's actually felt you know i felt much more like a participant in it than like mm -hmm. somebody who kind of seems like i feel like i know what's going on in this particular series right. um so i really enjoyed that i liked the way that the, the you know the divine continuum is put in there i actually really liked the visual map they put of like, like hyper time and multiverses and omniverses and i was like okay yeah. cool like is that incredibly internally consistent not necessarily, but it's a working model okay. that right. works for storytelling. And, and I liked that quite a bit. Um, what did you think of the the reveal that you probably can guess pissed me off before I even read it? I, you know, I read this about a week ago now, so I, I, I wish I had one in front of me. What is it? Uh, Jack Oswald White. Oh, they said Jake Joker's name, right? Yeah. And I don't really I know. I hate it. I don't know that that exists. Well, no, I actually read online. That is the Joker's identity in the Flashpoint universe. But no, because but Martha's the Martha says that she looked up Jack Oswald White in the main universe. Uh -huh. And he's got and a family. family. Well, he has a family in her universe, but she found out his name from the other universe. Yeah, it's a little confusing. I can't remember exactly. I know that she the Joker in the other universe is Jack Os Oswald White. And then she finds that character in her universe. And he's just a guy with a family. Just a dude with a happy family. Yeah. Okay. Which so I guess I kind of liked because that is what three Jokers did. Right. And then and that's they introduced like, that family. It's the, and, John's, the Joker John's verse or whatever. And I like the idea that it would have just been that. Right. Except for he had one bad day in our universe and became the Joker. But yeah, I don't need his name. Is that the main thing that bums you out just having his name? I don't need his name and I don't need confirmation that the killing joke is his true origin. What about Jack Napier? That's Batman 89 only. Is it only? Okay. Yeah. Um, because yeah. This, the, the, picture, the picture in there is definitely the killing joke Joker having right. dinner with his family. And I don't know. I... I I bristle whenever we get a like a definitive origin for the Joker. I, I get that. Yeah. That didn't bother me, but I also was feeling very loosey goosey with the boundaries that it was establishing. So I wasn't right. necessarily taking anything as fact. Um, and maybe, maybe this relates to my other thing that, that we're going to get to. <laughs> oh, right. I have no idea what that is. So I'm excited. Um, I gave Flashpoint five and eight point five. I actually really like it. I give it an 8.0 uh, um, minus, minus half a point for giving us the Joker's fucking name. The main thing I just want to talk about Dark Crisis is that I've talked a fair amount about I think I really like Joshua Williamson's plotting, but I think his dialogue lacks. Mm -hmm. And this issue, I thought, had some really good dialogue in it. Also had some moments of not great dialogue, like at one point near the end, Swamp Thing says, Swamp Thing says, Oh, my balls itch. In this, that, that is voice. why the acts of this darkness are so weird. It's like, does he say so weird? Doesn't matter. I don't mean I don't mean to be Roman. Roman can only be Roman. But what I will say is that there are some oh, great right. moments of dialogue between like Alan Scott, Green Lantern, and Nightwing. I love wow. that whole sequence. I thought that was really well written and the characters played off each other really, really well. And I liked the bit where the Flash and Hal Jordan are hanging out and then it harkened back with each other. 
Yeah, and then it harkened back to the the kind of thing that Tom Taylor has introduced, <clears throat> which is like the Flash needing to feel a little insecure about how he carries people. Right. You know, he's like, right. do you want in the arms of the Batman? Um, both of those indicated to me, like, I think a leveling up in the way that he writes dialogue. So the main yeah. thing for me is that I've liked his plotting in this the whole time. I like Dark Crisis pretty well. Um, but I also think that he's been writing a lot for a while now. And I do mm-hmm. think he's making some levels up. So he's somebody that... I don't necessarily get super excited when I see their name on a book, but I, I, he's getting there. He's getting there. And I, I just love to see the progression at all. What do you think of a drunk detective chimp? Mm. I feel bad when I see drunk monkeys just you do. across the board. You uh, sorry, drunk very, primates. Your your sympathy muscle is very selective in who it garners sympathy and empathy for. And it's monkeys and little people. Little people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, weird. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I was I was born this way. What did you give Dark Crisis? Man, I had a hard time thinking that Deathstroke was worthy of being the linchpin to an entire crisis. Like that just he's I being used as a tool, right? That. Why he's being used as a tool for the great? Because he died, and the darkness it, takes up the void of like. No, because they're still trying to convince us that they should make a Deathstroke movie. Is there, like so? I don't disagree. I have no love lost for Deathstroke. Do you think there is a generation of people that view him with a different lens than you and I do? Like the Romans and Justins who love the Chuck Dixon and new Teen Titans eras of things? Maybe them, but I think it's a younger group that just wants to see somebody fuck shit up with Batman. Okay. Like, I, I think that the, the Deathstroke Batman feud is a thing that people probably eight years younger than me, or maybe even That's younger than, than you. Me. I think younger than you, actually. I think... I think a few years younger than you is is people that probably started getting Deathstroke when he got a badass costume, like a, like a bitchin' of, costume. I think of Deathstroke as like the teen uh, the the Teen Titans villain. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think of him as really like a Batman villain very much. No, no, and and just no. to have no Jeff, no. If you had the power to control someone from the DC universe to tear down the world, and as mentioned before. Batman has files on everybody. Why the fuck wouldn't you just put Batman in those black dark matter chains or whatever? They like, can't be that much harder than to get it, putting Deathstroke in them. Because every well, time he's they like fight, possessed they just, with them. Yeah, why not possess Bruce? Well, it's kind of like Batman fucking and Lash dummy. or whatever. Pariah? Idiot? Fucking pariah. This fucking <laughs> goon over here. Hey, I'm just trying to drive my sweet-ass car with my sweet neon lights that are illuminating the road underneath me with this dope-ass muffler with my hot lady I just picked up. And I got the fucking pariah over here saying, like, dope. Hey, what are you doing over there? Hey, hey, pariah. I don't see you with a dope-ass car with a hot broad in it. Okay, you're just standing there alone with your chains trying to possess somebody with your dark energy. Come on. Dope, dope. What do you th- what do you think of uh, Harley Quinn's expression on that big splash page? And oh, is that, let me pull it open. Is the, it's it's the one where uh, Deathstroke's saying, "Oh yeah, did you nice really thing. think I wouldn't foresee this alliance? The darkness knows all." I think that we're in a weird spot. Oh yeah, well the t- Harley Quinn, I almost like doubted if that was her. I think um, everybody just... in there, they're all possessed, right? Yeah, you're right. They've got to be because they all have these chains on. The chains reflect being chained to the darkness. All right, good call, good catch. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but yeah, they all have these chains on. And is that I was thinking of where between Harley and Deathstroke? A lot of people between those two on the bottom. The green guy with the stripes. I don't know, no, 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 can't be. That can't. There's no, no. The heckler? I have no idea, but it's not ambush bug. (laughs) I, you know, I was kind of just foolishly being like okay somehow he's convinced all the bad guys to be on this which was kind of like lessening the argument to me but 
you're right. They're all in chains. They're all possessed by this idea. So, okay. Also, I don't know who these glowing blue light people are that are all over that building. doesn't matter. We're not going to get into the specifics of it. Django, I think it's a pretty good book. I'm sorry. Um, you said your score. Did I? I think I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I want to like it more. I just, I just don't believe it. You know, I'm going to give it an eight. Actually, I have eight written down. I, I really like, I don't believe it. I think your words, I agree with that sentiment, but I also like seeing growth at all kind of makes me a little bit happy. And there were moments in here where I was like, this is a good comic, you know? And it made me forget that I was reading a Josh Williamson book, which sounds negative. I don't mean that, but like sometimes his, he can feel like the bandaid that covers two, you know, like we need this story. So here's this. And um, he's developing a voice on top of having great plotting as well. So, so are we supposed to know whose hand that is at the end with all the worlds? Is that a Kirby reference? I don't know. I can't remember. I know that like Scott Snyder's thing was getting really big in the source wall and there was the hand behind it, which I thought was a metaphor for Kirby's hand. But I don't know if actually the hand holding the multiverse is an overt Kirby reference or not. Mm, I yeah, could I be wrong. Know. Yeah, I, I could see it being Dr. Manhattan. I could see it being Jack Kirby. I could see it being Pariah or Anti-Monitor. Like it's probably like 70 different characters it yeah. could be. Okay, so this brings me to the thing that I've been talking about. Oh, right, right. We have business to it. Do you think that they're going to reboot the DC Universe after issue seven? I don't care. Because that would let them bring the Penguin's nose back and get rid and of the Alfred Joker's name. And, and bring Alfred back. Like, it, it seems to me like a lot of the stories that they're writing right now have lasting consequences unless you undo everything for fun. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, my feeling of I don't care is just that they are doing, they're playing so much Calvin ball with continuity right now mm-hmm. that I think they're really <laughs> training us to just not care, which I think is great because I think that that's yeah. where readers were at a spot in like the 80s, 90s, or probably 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I'm just like, there's so much continuity that I either I'm going to really try and work it out or I'm right. not. And uh, I think not everybody great. can take Grant Morrison's tact, which is it all happened. Right. And or do yeah. it well, even if you're trying to do that. So, yeah. um, you know, we're getting black label books. We're getting books that seem like black label books that aren't black label books. I just forgot the logo. And we're getting main continuity books. So like they're all there. They're all yeah. like if we all can take a step back. I, I love getting comics weekly on Wednesday. It's the best part of my week. But we can take a step back and just kind of say, all right, but like the overall when and where of everything doesn't matter quite as much. Like these Mm -hmm. stories are just Batman stories that are going to exist 30 years from now. And, you know, um, that's just how I feel about them. So like maybe they'll restart it, but whatever. If, if, if I had to guess, and I think I've guessed this before, I'm going to guess that they're going to reboot the DC universe and try to bring continuity real tight again. Cause I think this last couple of years has been a big experiment. And I think, that they would be served well to to go back to continuity i think so i think i i totally agree with you and i think that like that 5g stuff and then the release of dan didio and bringing on different people put this like very herky-jerky nature in the entire continuity like what way is the universe going they're still shitting on 5g in that flashpoint book and they're still kind of making 5g books i know i could see it i could see them wanting to just somehow clean the slate and say everything exists we're going to tell wonder girl stories we're also going to tell stories where Alfred's alive and My name how they is convince DC people. DC Comics and I contain multitudes. Multitudes. Um, I just want you to know, mention to everybody that we're all, we're recording this on the cusp of the very first Sunday of football, uh, which is oh, incredibly exciting. I was wondering what that erection was about. No, it's been football. Yeah. Tomorrow is tomorrow is football. Did you, uh, day. Did I read the Dear Detective? I did. But before we get into that, Django, 
I just want to mention that I did read Punisher number six. I'm sure Django did as well, but I want to do that really quick. Um, I just wanted to mention that I really, really like the way, and I was excited. I would, you know, Django probably has great thoughts as well, but particularly Roman, I was curious about just the way that uh, Ares is written in this. Cause I really like, there's a conversation. We've talked about this book a lot, but the thing that stood out in this issue to me was the way that they're personifying Ares, the God of war and the way that they're tying that to the Punisher, I think is really interesting, which is this idea that the Punisher was formed and birthed in Vietnam, a la mm -hmm. Jason Aaron, Garth Ennis, Punisher books from that era. And if you can kind of, you know, I'm always a little bit weirded out by how gods are represented in comics because are they real? Are they not real? Are they can they die? Do they not die? But the idea that Ares is the god of war, he is war. War made the Punisher. The Punisher is, you know, the acolyte of war. I really like the way that they're using language and kind of connective tissue to make a relationship between the Punisher and Ares here. Uh, I like that a lot. I think the the way that they relate language is really interesting. Um, so, and I like, like the art in this book a lot. So I just wanted to shout out that I give that book a nine for sure. Punisher has stayed very, very good by Jason Aaron, um, and the art by, you know, Paul Azasada, Seta and Jesus say is, 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 uh, they're both really, really awesome. So I really like that. I, I would give it a nine also spoiler alert. Ooh. I would give it a nine, Spunk but it. I would. I like that Frank says, no, you didn't create me. Yeah. Because he knows his history from the from the flashbacks and the Paul Azzetta stuff. He knows that he has that he had that violence in him way before Vietnam. And he was super disconnected from people before that, which they illustrate with just the the way that he mm -hmm. and his wife interact before he goes to oh, war. Oh god, that was so like, brutal. It's, the first it's, two pages of this were such a brutal, like two just sad, sad yeah. pages, right? Yeah. And then more of that a little bit later. Also, I really like the way that they sneak the Asazetta panels in mm -hmm. every once yeah. in a while. Like yep. Punisher's reaching for his gun, and then he's also reaching for his wife's hand at the same time. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, right. and I, a killing just, joke. Yeah. Well, and and but but with two different artists, which means that you right. have to have this coordination that right. comics don't usually have to do. Um, and then finally, I would say that the reveal of the hand trying to bring his children back is so gross and so fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, and and the resolution of that is it's it's amazing. And the, just the Punisher throwing up after he takes care of the, that problem is wow. Jason Aaron, um, there are some amazing writers that I love who ex express an incredible ability to write certain types of emotions really really well and then maybe mm -hmm. aren't as good at other ones um i think jason aaron is incredible at writing very different types of stories incredibly well yeah you look you compare like you know jane foster thor and southern bastards and this one and there's a kind of like raw emotional tissue that connects all of those but yeah. they're very different stories and yeah. he is so good at it like it feels like every type of book he does if it's getting his energy it's his wheel well and i, I guess the exception to that would be avengers just because i'm not reading it currently because maybe i just don't like a mainstream avengers book but he is truly an incredible writer so i think that that book specifically is showcasing that so yeah. dual nines from us at issue six of a punisher series is kind of a big strong endorsement and he wrote the punisher max that i think yep. hasn't been properly collected right or is they they're in some ultimate collected. collections but yeah that yeah he he did get some ultimate collections but that was that rivaled garth ennis's yeah. punisher for me um andrew and i were just talking about 
how Harrison Ford's British accent would be or if he would be dating Ted's wife, which would be weird because then Ted would not have a chance. But also Harrison's pretty, he's like, he's 80. That's pretty old to steal a 40-year-old dude's wife. My cat ran across this desk and there's no way you couldn't have seen him if you were looking. So why don't you fucking care about my cat escape? Why didn't you tell him not to go out there? He didn't listen. I was being as entertaining as I could with Harrison Ford. All right. He came up. He showed me his asshole like three times and then he left. One day that cat is going to die, Django, and our entire store is going to shut down because my life will grind to a screeching halt. Whose asshole am I going to look at when your cat dies? My other cat. Okay. As long as we got a, conting- a contingency plan. Like Batman. Speaking All right. of Batman. Batman, Dear Detective. Django, before we get out of here, let's talk about Batman, Dear Detective. Tell yeah. us, tell the readers, tell the readers what this was. <laughs> I can't tell if this is lazy or brilliant or maybe bro- both. I think that's a really, I think that's a really good intro. I totally it's, agree. So Leeper Mayho, uh, artist of many, many covers, the Suiciders, uh, the Joker, Joker story from Mazzarello. Batman Luther, Noel. Yep. yep. Wrote uh, Batman, Batman Damned. Yep. Right. Um, he's, he's been doing covers for detective comics for probably two or three years now right yeah and And many people's favorite batman artists like it says on the back dear detective visionary artist lieber mayo like this is some people's alex ross like we have an artist we have a a customer at the store on wednesday who like this is their alex ross they got this book incredibly excitedly because you know and i think he's great i think for a long time his batman covers were very samey like some sort of brooding picture of Batman in leather and denim with scraped up suits. And then it felt like maybe he heard that people were tired of looking at almost the same picture <laughs> every month on their on the cover of their detective comic. And he started playing with that theme quite a bit and kept the look of Batman, but changed the blocking and the layout and the coloring, the lighting. Everything sort of changed a little bit and got weirder. And, and, and was doing... St- I think he is a great cover artist and I think great cover artists can kind of tell a story in one image. Yeah. And so I think he's great at that. So he's been doing this thing for quite a while where he is telling kind of a story. He's certainly telling moments in a single image on all these covers. Yeah. And for a long time, it was like the moment was Batman standing there looking cool. And then it was actual yeah like like a beginning middle and end to the story rather right. than the middle of a fight 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 yeah and so he wrote some text to tie 20 some covers together into a loose narrative and i was dubious i might still be dubious but i think it almost worked really well i wish he had drawn like maybe four or five other pictures to fill in the spots that we're missing what do you think you're counting 30 40 oh sorry i I shouldn't it's like 44 i was just curious because i had no idea it's it's like 44 images which is a lot and you consider the amount of work three years four years yeah and that's not those are alex ross type images they're not just like here's a cover Mm -hmm. i shout out like they are Mm -hmm. highly detailed highly realized with a very specific vision for what Batman and his world exists. So it, it, it's a, it, it's, it's years of work. Um, I think that the text that he wrote to link it all together was actually really well done for what it is. If you have yeah. 45 around it, 45 images that you've drawn of a single character over several years, um, if you wanted to try and interpret or you know integrate 10 pages of text ish 
into that to try and link them all up. I think he did a really great job of that. So one thing I can say is the art in this is phenomenal. Yeah. And oversized. And oversized. Yeah. More, although all these images were drawn in regular comic book size. So I was thinking about like, are they trimming things off to make them fit in this size? Yes. Which is irritating, but also they don't have the comic title. Right. right? So, so the aspect the ratio is closer to square, but you can just crop from the top and you're only missing. You got a top crop there. Yeah. You get yeah. You're like top crop. You're just missing Sheffa. Yeah. Um, I think from a business perspective, it was really brilliant. If we're, if we are tossing masterful out somewhere, um, in this podcast, <laughs> the ability for a company to make money off of this product was masterful because these are images they already paid to have. Right. And all we really did is add like eight or so pages of text in there to link them. Um, so I think from a business perspective, which I, I don't mean to be facetious, like full credit. Yeah, that's really intelligent business business. Also, because we will love his art. He's many people's favorite artists. He's done many series. We will buy specifically for the art. He writes them as well. Uh, or just does the art like he's great. Um, so I'm of multiple minds of this Django. Ultimately, the, the art collector in me, if this was a Frank quietly, like, I don't even fuck it. Like, don't even put words in there. Just give me 42 pages of Frank quietly covers it's, and I'll be super happy. It's 44 pictures ready to frame. Yeah. So like, I can't, I don't discredit it at all for that because there are many people who feel about this artist the way I feel about Frank quietly. Yeah. Um, and I think that the text did a pretty good job, all things considered, of linking up these images. However, it did still feel like a collection of 45 images yeah. that are maybe more of a portfolio than it is a story. But I love buying a portfolio of an artist I love. So well, and it was it was narrative to a point. Right. And actually, there was a fun mechanic in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, so this, I, I mean, the, the pictures were narrative to a point. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, to a point. The pictures followed a story that you could kind of make up, although... Then you get a full page of Catwoman did... and a full page of Two-Face and a full page... Well, even page that of... was set up with the text, but like, yeah. where did this kid come from? I thought he was chasing the, the Two-Face. Right. Like, there, there were three or four points where I was like, well, just give us... Yeah. Give us a, a, a couple of little shims in there and it would be brilliant. It was more a meditation than a narrative, in my mind. Yeah, um... But yeah, I, I really liked the way that the text didn't really tell you that it was a puzzle to solve until pretty late in the game. You're like halfway through it before you're like, OK, wait, there are symbols replacing letters. And at some point I was like, I hope that we get a puzzle at the very end where it's like just rearranges kind of like House and Powers of X did with Hickman, like those yeah. letters, you know, and it was even more ambiguous than that. It was just a letter signed from something yeah. that you needed to solve, which and, I, I thought all was very elegant. And trying to figure out which bad guy it was going to be like, it yeah. was really obvious that it was the Joker. And then it was or really Riddler. obvious that it was the Riddler. Right. And then like, and you're like, well, no, I don't think it's either of them. I, I thought that was... Yeah, it, it was very clever. And I think I'm okay with clever in this case. I think I am too. I think that, you know, if, if somebody's like, hey, tell me a good Batman story. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm going to give them this. Although there are like, you know, like, I don't want to generalize, but like your average, like kind of Christopher Nolan Batman fan, mm -hmm. I think loves Christopher Mayho. I think yeah. that they, those two kind of rose together, like the body armor, leather, cough, like all of those kind of are very in line. Um, yeah. I think that you can get a really strong idea of like who and what Batman is from this. And some amazing, like the one I keep coming back to is the picture of Batman 
um or the, the joker fighting in arkham yeah yeah with the yeah no i, I keep I, that one's i've spent more time that was on a cover of detective that. like six months ago or so and it just blew me away and then there's a very similar one of batman being beaten in arkham also a page later that like both of those those two are just such a nice pair what i'll say is to part the kimono of comic store owners since you and i are here and you're the we were the ones um i don't know how i would feel if I was a detective comic subscriber and this book showed up in my file mm -hmm. at the same time, I think this book does a really impressive job at being way better than what it could be. Yep. And by being way more versatile than it could be, because it is not, I, 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 it is not just an art portfolio, right? Because it really, it's, it is not a narrative, but with that text, I do think they add a, a little, like enough cream on the top to, give you this kind of idea here's a bunch of static shots of batman that all kind of convey a message and then a text that kind of conveys that same message and yeah. ultimately at the end it is this meditation on just sort of like batman's relationship with crime and if we want to personify crime to ha be talking to batman this does that in a good way so i think that they succeeded even more than i think they probably thought they could have honestly I, I think it's more successful than its its pitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially since clearly these covers were not designed to tell a story. Right. They happened to be able to be arranged in a way that kind of tells a story if you throw in some tech. Here's, okay, think of this. I will, because I, I love you. I read the first half of this twice to try to, like I had to slow down and, and try to make up the story as I went. And I think that there is a logic to the pictures. And I think that, I think he's trying to tell a story there. The comics are a media where the action happens when you're not able to be looking, mm -hmm. right? So everything happens between the panel. And I think that if you extrapolate that from a split second between panels to 30 seconds to three minutes between panels. Yeah, okay, okay, I okay. think that this tells the story. It, it leans on you, the reader, more than most comics because it's not designed to be a, a storytelling device. But and like, I guess that that's what I mean by like it being a meditation because like all of these images convey something, like right. a truth about Batman. All of the, every single image exactly you're showing me images of him climbing up a wall looking through a window like linearly like those, those are a minute after each other yeah 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 so these these images i was doing that same thing of like okay does this image lead into that next one right. he's jumping off a building and now he's in a car you know like do those fall yeah they do what did i miss i guess he landed and then opened his car door so django while you were saying that key. i got a i had a name for this uh podcast that we're making here oh i had a new name okay. for it all right you ready for it between the panels better than that i hope so gutter buddies gutter buddies we're panel gutter buddies yep we're buddies exploring the gutters between panels and we're gutter buddies and that's the yep. thing listen anybody wants to do that we'll make some shirts and say gutter buddies we'll have them at the store gutter buddies it'll be 24 pre-orders we'll get them in you say gutter buddies and then you got like a 36 panel thing in the middle or oh, it's yeah. gutter buddies is embedded in the middle of a whole bunch of 32 panels around it Yep, yep. Yeah, like that's yeah. perfect. Um, that's perfect. Maybe we get Lieber Mayo to design it. But I think you're totally right. I I think this is way better than I was pessimistically thinking it was going to be. This is this is this yeah. is this is a way. Listen, 
we've had a DC Graphic Ink hardcover, which is these limited hardcovers they did for a while that are art books that sort of specialize in a certain artist. My favorite artist in the world, Frank Quietly, my one of my other favorite artists, Darwin Cook, they both got them. Maybe the only two that got them. We don't sell those. We can't sell those. No one right. wants those. They don't buy them. But they're so good. This is reimagining what that is. It's like, yeah. hey, Frank, could you try and arrange a loose metaphorical idea that relates like relates all of your images together and put that out there that's an awesome idea and i i would say kudos to the people who thought of that and i think the execution is way better than i thought it was going to be um mm-hmm. i think if you are somebody who just showed up with this in your file you might maybe not want it i think consider that, it though i think that there are a lot of other people who are your standard batman fans who might like this a ton yeah like, I, this is a weird thing where it's like, I was inclined to auto-sub people to it, which is what we do with the store. If you get a Batman book, we, you know, there's a new Batman book coming out. Maybe we'll, we'll sign you up for this. Um, This is the kind of thing where I think it's more new reader friendly, I guess is what I'm saying, than it is mm-hmm. old reader friendly. Because this is a really great way of showcasing some of the most unique Batman art that exists to people um, that may casually or casually, you know, like be reading stuff, but I, I, it boils Batman down really well. I, I don't know. I, I, this conversation has caused me to bump the raking up a little bit, actually. I think I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight as well. It's a, it's a weird number to give it because it's barely, a, it's not a comic. It's literally not a comic. There it's are no art portfolio with a narrative lacing the images. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a picture book. But seven ninety nine for an art portfolio is cheap, as shit. is cheap as shit, and it's yeah. oversized. Yeah, yeah. And you, nobody has art like Lieber Mayo, which is, I, no. I guess, I don't know that I've done enough justice explaining how like he's a phenomenal artist. I used Listen, to be both way of more our into listeners know what he looks like. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> Will and Nathan, hopefully, at Maybe some point, Will. at some point, everybody else is going to catch on, though. Brooding, um, brooding is a good word, right? It's a great word. If you haven't read Batman Noel, that's a great holiday Christmas book that he wrote and drew. Um, I used to be way more into him than I am, but... Was that Brian Azzarello's fault or... No, no, no. I just think that like I used to love like cartoony Silver Age Batman and then like the Christopher Nolan movies were coming out mm-hmm. and like the kind of like the combat aesthetic, the, the leather and the, the body realistic. armor. Yeah, like hyper-realistic yeah. Batman. When that was at its peak, this is very much that. Yeah. And then when that ended, I was kind of ready to go back to like spandex and stuff. Right. Um, this is right in there with those cinematic Batman fans. So uh, yeah, uh, 8.0 for me, a little bit of a weird score because it's unlike any product I think we've ever really talked about. But I do think it's, uh, I'm excited to hear other people talk about it and hear other thoughts about it because it's, it's a weird thing. But I really do think, um, damn, man, I just wish I had a bunch of black label sized frames to put up because the art in this is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good, good comic, good whatever it is. It's whatever it is. Django, what are you going to do tomorrow, Sunday, September 11th? It's Erica's birthday party. Ooh, is her birthday? No, no, it's not. Her birthday was a couple days ago. Um, So we'll be doing a birthday barbecue in the smoke and fire that is Bellingham right now. Did you stare at that red sun today? It was so weird, man. Dude, Superman was just out there being like, yes, this red sun. <laughs> um, I love being able to stare at the sun and just see it as a perfect red sphere in the sky. Kind of day I that makes it. Superman homesick. I love, I love it. Um, um, I'm going to spend the whole day watching, all day watching football. Like football. All day. Django, I have a hard time taking days off. You know, oh, I yeah. struggle with that. Oh, but yeah. When football starts, Sunday is an off day for me. 
and I just spend 30 minutes in the morning doing my lunar epilepsy and then all day watching football. So I'm going to fucking watch. I'm going to plant myself on a couch and then probably paint a bunch in that house. That'll be it. But anyway, football, nice. buddy. I'm, nice. I'm in my happy place now. I'm wearing a football jersey right now. Django, I'm in my happy place. You're wearing a football jersey right now? Yeah, buddy. And I got one back there right there. Elijah Moore. That's an autograph. That's an Elijah Moore. Moore. Oh, Elijah Moore. No, he was a rookie last year. I'm calling a shot, Django. That's like me saying like Andrea Muzi is going to be the next Eisner winner is basically what this jersey is right here. Okay. This guy was a kid last year, got picked up. And now I'm like, I got an autographed jersey and he's his second year now. He's going to do it. We should switch this thing over to a YouTube so people can uh, see you call your shots with your backgrounds. So Django, send us home before I start talking about football because I will. Well, everybody, thanks for sitting around around the fire with us, chugging some eggnog. It's a fire. It's a holiday fire. It always is. Chugging some eggnog, sipping some water, mm-hmm. talking about football and mm-hmm. comic books and mm-hmm. Lieber Mayo. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching a, a big long joke that I tried to do not land super well. I liked it. It's uh, nice to be back. Nice to see everybody. <laughs> it's nice to have humorous aspirations that fail in my lap every week. <laughs> There was that point where Jeff's cat got outside. That was super cool. I'm sure the listeners loved that. Uh, I mean, I was just, I didn't even know your cat went outside. I was just talking about Harrison Ford and thinking about your cat's butthole. It's a good butthole. It's a consistent one, that's for sure. Listen, you can send us emails at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. I want them. Not only do I want them, I need them. Mm -hmm. Dominic Masseri, Jason Waite, you know, whoever is out there. Jason wrote us once, right? Or voicemailed us once? We need more Dude, of them. Why aren't you doing that every week, Jason? Jason, other people are doing it other, every week. Chapin, wait. Chapin, Ch- get us Ch- your Chapin. Chapin, get us get your Chapin. Get, get your us your email. Emails, man. Send I know a, you're thinking about them. You know what? Chapin, wait. I want to hear what you thought about the Punisher this week because actually, um, I know you're a Punisher fan, and I feel like this kind of changed the narrative of the Punisher. So I, here we are shouting out Chapin, wait. Chapin, wait. Now, Jason, if you're confused and you don't know if we're talking to you, we are talking to you, but we've created a nickname right now, and it is Chapin Wait. So, Chapin, send us an email. My cat's scratching at the door to come to the room that I am in right now because he wants to poop in it. Um, yeah, Jeff at the We love all of you. Django, I'm so happy you're back, bud. Gosh. Me too. Me too. I'm glad like, that you didn't leave. I'm glad that I left, and when I came back, you were still here. Listen, it's, uh, it's kind of like... Uh, when you're gone, it's trying to have a relationship with just myself, and it sucks. Well, you know, but I really both, like when you're here. Had some practice with those. I think uh, well, every once in a while. Uh, you're a professional masturbator, so yeah. That's yeah. Oh, oh, your cat's butthole is trying to get out your window. Yeah. Close the rest oh, of your cat. I closed it now. So hey, do you think do you think that this dear detective is about as close to a Punisher comic as Batman gets? Mm. I'd read a Lieber Mayo Punisher. That's what I'm saying. Oh my God! If we could get Jason Aaron to write a Punisher book with Lieber Mayo art, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, I also don't think there's enough. I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying. All right, we're just jerking each other off at this point. We are two Send guys to jerk each other off. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, next week for two eighty five. Will, thank you for your email. Also, a huge thank you to Andrew Carlson for editing the podcast for us. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Harrison Ford is eighty years old.